welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined, as always, he always is here, my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and unfortunately, for your sake, not with us today is our middle brother, Matthew Kuhn, who is actually, believe it or not, on Nantucket Island doing a real Bill Belichick during the COVID draft. I was hoping we would Skype him in. He'd have his boats in the background um, just be hanging out, um, but he couldn't make it tonight. Um, so we're happy for him. We really are, um, and not at all jealous. Um, but he uh, watched the game. We watched Me and Michael watched the game together. Didn't get a chance to call Grandpa this week, which I know is what you guys were all looking forward to and probably the only reason you're listening to the podcast right now. Um, but if you watched what we watched on Sunday, I'm sure... <laughs> You can understand that we are excited to be back in the regular season, excited for what this team can be, but also, as feels so normal, I am devastated. I mean, it's been pretty consistent for 17 years now, losing on week one. That's what we do. Uh, it's just kind of part of being a Browns fan at this point. Uh, uh, I had so many people reach out to me yesterday and just say, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, you know what? And it was kind of a funny feeling. I mean, I don't know what your like response was to folks and how, as you've processed it, like where you've come out on the other side. Um, there's a little bit of like justification in my thinking here, but what we talked about this game and like, there are so many variables and factors at play, you know, chiefs rocking new offensive linemen Browns with almost an entirely new defense. There's just so many moving parts. When you're playing the best team in the NFL, arguably, in week one in the Chiefs, you can't really hang your hat on the outcome either way. Like, if we had come out and we had won this game, I don't think we should have felt too great about ourselves. And if we had come out and just laid a complete egg, I don't think we should have been too concerned about ourselves. Yeah. Like, that's just the case in week one. Like, there are teams that look ridiculous in week one all the time that end up have, having miserable seasons. Like, it happens almost every year. So, like, to take too much away from week one is kind of ridiculous in the first place. And I knew that going into this game. So, what did I really want to see? I wanted to see that, like, we could hang with Kansas City and that we belonged in the conversation with them. And undoubtedly we accomplished that goal we got a definitive and resounding yes to to that question um and it is true that you can't take away too much from week one like take the the packers laid a complete egg do i think the packers are going to be one of the worst teams in the nfl this year no um but i i do have to say that i took away that we can hang and this was just the first week remember first week last season yeah we got absolutely destroyed by the Ravens, annihilated and and i will say that being on this side, it's probably easier to say this now that we're on this side. But if we had won this game, we beat the Chiefs. The rest of the season, like, like I feel like it's a little bit harder to build up the like motivation and like stay on task and like really have your eyes on the prize throughout the remainder of the season. Now that we like came up short against the Chiefs, got a little leaves a little chip on your shoulder. Like I like that attitude going into the remainder of the season and like looking towards the playoffs. exactly if we have the season that we hope that we can have it ends with playing the chiefs again in all likelihood they are the stiffest competition in the afc um been to the super bowl the last two years and odds on favorite to go again um and so like odds are that we are going to if we do what we want to be doing we are going to meet them again and i like having lost the first battle of yeah. that fight um, and have that chip on our shoulders to be able to go in um, and to be able to do it in the way that we did where we looked. We'll get into the game and we'll talk about all, all the little details. But, I mean, through the first half, we looked phenomenal. We played an absolutely flawless first half of football. And there's literally nothing you can say to take away from that. Besides maybe our defense getting some more stops. Like, the Kansas City Chiefs scored, and they're going to score. Um, but, like, is there anything? Like, that's one of, that was one of my biggest takeaways from this game is 
just how high of a level this offense can operate on, how efficient they can be um, when we are operating on all cylinders. And and was the, and without the, Odo Beckham. Without Odo Beckham. And like the sky is the limit there. The play calling, the wide open holes um, for Nick Chubb. Um, that was my biggest takeaway. Even though it did fall apart, we made a bunch of key mistakes, essentially three turnovers in the second half. Um, and you're going to lose to the Chiefs if you if you do that. You're going to lose to most teams if you have like key turnovers like yeah. that. But um, for sure, especially in the, at the end of the game. But what um, was your what, crystallizing takeaway from Sunday? Um, Don't overreact. Yeah, no, I'm not hitting the panic button in any way, shape, or form. Um, I I think my biggest takeaway was it's just so great to have a team that like is clearly prepared (laughs) like to like go in and like the game plan was very sound you saw that coming through the team was prepared they knew what they were doing and yes we made some mistakes in the second half but you could the execution throughout the majority of the game was just phenomenal and that is not something we've seen from brown's teams in yesteryear and so, like, the, to see the continuation of that, to know that it w- – I didn't think it was a fluke for even a half a second, but, like, I'm not taking it for granted that we have a really, like, solid coaching staff that prepared this team well for this really tough game in week one. Yeah. I mean, it was it was more than phenomenal. <laughs> in the first half to have three scoring opportunities to get a touchdown on all three and a two-point conversion on our first one, I mean – as good as as good as it gets um offensively um one of the biggest things um that I, I was most excited about and quite frankly made me so i was i was listening today i mean everyone's talking about the browns chiefs um because it was the biggest game um on the docket everybody knew everyone was excited to watch it and so now everybody's talking about it the day after and that's one of the disappointing things is like i wanted the browns to look good in front of everyone <laughs> um it always is i'm just constantly trying to justify our existence and a part of that is i am a huge fan of baker and i'm trying to justify his existence and to hear these mother effers <laughs> talking about how trash of a quarterback baker was because he threw that interception on the last drive uh, these people who clearly did not watch the same football game that I watched. They yeah. just watched the highlights and to, or tuned in at the or very, tuned last, in at minute, the very uh, last minute yeah. and are talking about how Baker just doesn't have it. And one of the, one of the people I was listening to was talking about comparing him to Josh Allen. They were like, Baker Mayfield needs to step up to like the level of other quarterbacks in his class. Like Josh Allen went to the playoffs last year and he had a very respectable performance beating the Ravens and then beating, I forget who else they played and then losing that's okay to the Kansas City Chiefs. You can lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. We don't knock that against you. Baker Mayfield, and then just went on to rail on Baker Mayfield. I'm like, we lost to the Chiefs last year. Yeah, like, and it, that's the game you're, yeah. And that's who we just lost to, and he threw, had one, literally one bad play. That was his only bad play in the entire game. The entire rest in the first half, he was looking so crisp. He was on point, no doubt. He was hitting guys right in stride, exactly where they needed to be. He was getting through his progressions. Like he looked very, very comfortable. It was, it was great. So accurate, so on point, so in line with like David and Joku's performance. Clearly on the same page as in Joku. Um, I mean, if that's the Baker Mayfield that we have, obviously, the last second drive would have loved for that the two minute drive. Would have loved for that to go different. But if we have this running game and Baker continues to execute on that level, there's nothing that can stop this offense from performing. It's just going to be about our defensive performance going on throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. I just I want to go back to the comment I made about the coaching staff and how yeah. reassuring yeah, it yeah, is for sure. to have that. One thing that I think crystallized that for me as being something that I greatly appreciated was that first drive. What really made me realize that we've got like a coaching staff that like has an answer for everything that's coming their way. That first drive, we get down there, we score, put a long drive together, score the Nick Chubb 
on the Nick Chubb run for a touchdown. Then there was a couple penalties on the extra point. And they didn't flinch. And they said, yep, we're going for the two-point conversion. And everybody ran out there and they executed the two-point conversion. And we scored to perfection. There was just a plan. Like, they knew what they were going to do in all of these situations. Like, I vividly remember like Hugh Jackson going for fourth downs and being aggressive and going for like two point conversions all the time. But I didn't have any sort of sense of confidence that like it was a good idea necessarily or was all that thought out. He was just like being competitive and wanted to like Screw go it. for two. Yeah, you know what I mean? Fun. <laughs> Whereas Stefanski and their staff, like you know that they've planned for it and they know, okay, in this scenario, we know we're going for this and this is what we're going to do. Um, it, I, I have an unwavering sense of confidence in the decision-making from, from the coaching staff that I don't think I've ever experienced before as a Browns or, fan. Or the entire front office. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely like translates to Andrew Berry. But we're talking like, yeah. you know, within the three hours of this game on Sunday afternoon. Like, I'm... I feel like I It's made, weird to not question the decisions that are yes, being made yes, by, sure. by our team. Because, like, I have respect yeah. <laughs> i i'm in the position that i want to be as a, a browns fan where i've been put in my place yeah <laughs> and I, I, I know where it is uh. um yeah no that's that is fantastic um so i was gonna i want to talk about all the different pieces like because one of my biggest takeaways was how well our offense executed um and there's the coaching staff there's the preparation there's the plan but then there's the individual offensive pieces. Um, I was talking about Baker. Um, he was 21 to 28. Um, he did not have any touchdowns and obviously had that interception at the end. Um, ended up taking two sacks on the game, um, which isn't, isn't too terribly bad. Um, and then Nick Chubb looked fantastic. Obviously, sands the fumble. The fumble was bad, untimely, not what we're looking for. But... The offensive line, that hole <laughs> on that touchdown, on that run. touchdown that Nick Chubb had. Yeah, we I were don't debating which of us from that were sitting on the couch would have been able to score um, with that opportunity that Nick Chubb had. And I think we settled on mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was there was the list of folks that were certainly in consideration. Um, so that was super exciting to see. Um, and then one of the the things that I'm most interested in is what do you think um, the ceiling is within this scheme once OBJ comes back as far as uh, incorporating Anthony Schwartz into this offense? What do you think that's going to look like when it comes to maturity um, in this offense, um, like towards the end of the year? I was wondering that too, because, and I think this is kind of close to what you were asking. Like, were some of those plays off the bat that went to Anthony Schwartz? Were they OBJ w- plays? Were they designed for OBJ and they just inserted An- Anthony Schwartz and like in s- probably in some weird ways that probably allowed them to be completed more, more successful, e- more easily. Yeah, because he's not going to draw as much attention as OBJ would. Um, I've been thinking about that since the game yesterday. Um, I definitely think Schwartz plays a role in stretching the field. Like they're going to give him some opportunities and bring him in, but I don't think it will be as significant as it was this past week when OBJ's back. Yeah. I just don't see how you can share the load as much um, whenever you got OBJ on the field. Um, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. And I can only imagine that his role will grow as the season goes on because he missed so much at training camp. Like the guy can't, be super comfortable with the offense at this point. Like I would imagine that his like route tree is fairly limited and you know, but the he, different things you can ask of him would be like more limited than, you know, a Donovan people's Jones, for instance. But in knowing what he did in college and his limited route tree and all of that, like it was actually was pretty in, substantial yeah, I w- for what I, I was expecting. I wouldn't have expected as much as we saw from him this week. There's no Yeah, doubt like we that. ran the one, and maybe that's just because he's playing like a backup role to Odo Beckham Jr., where like he ran the end around. That's definitely something that we do with OBJ. Um, but I'm, from what I saw from our third round draft pick, I'm very excited um, about what Anthony Schwartz can, can become. Um, and I think that was one of the most fun things for me in watching the game. Uh, that and Njoku's... Um, production having 
76 yards being our leading receiver. He had three big catches. I mean, they were they were deep. It was it was interesting to see. I mean, all of the tight ends got um looks. Harrison Bryant I think only got one attempt thrown his way. Yeah, he just had one catch. He had two targets though. So. Okay, two targets. Um but it was weird how it almost like had like came in waves where like Austin Hooper on that first drive or two had a bunch of looks and then Njoku got peppered in throughout and you know, Harrison Bryant's but like Hooper's touches kind of went by the wayside as the game went along. Mm-hmm. They were scripted towards him and then he didn't see many more like later on in the game, which I don't know what to make of that, but um it was definitely something that I picked up on as we were watching. Yeah, the um I mean, the offensive execution was so nice. One play with Hooper that stands out in particular was that third down. It was a third and three conversion, um, I think, in the second quarter. Where, where Baker it was just got a some slant. pressure in his face. Baker got some pressure in his face, and it was just a slant, and Baker threw it to Austin Hooper low and away. Where only oh, we're talking get... about a different play. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Um, phenomenal placement from Baker and a really great catch from Hooper. Like, not a simple catch at all. Nope. Um, but Baker threw a really safe throw where only his receiver could get it. Um, wasn't risking any sort of like turnover. I mean, he's just like a very heady play by in, Baker. In the first in the first half, we were three for three on fourth down conversions. Like there's there's a there's a part of me that questions like how replicable is this? <laughs> you know, like like how how often can we go? three for three on fourth down conversions. Probably not. Like that's our ceiling, what we did in the first half. And there's a reason to be excited about that, but that's not our baseline. And I think we have to like recognize that in, in not taking too yeah, much out of this game. At the same time, like the chiefs have a pretty good like defensive line. And I do feel like at the same time that we're going to get in more positive down and distance situations against most of the other teams that we're playing where we're not even going to be looking at like third downs in the same sense that we were, you know, against the chiefs in this game. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. But we didn't even have a third and long until like late in the third quarter. Yeah, No, we were staying in really positive game scripts for a, for the entirety of the first half, really. Yeah. Until that, drive that stalled before the half where honestly that was a pretty that was like the first like missed opportunity in the game was at the end of the half we got the ball back with a little over two minutes to go and we didn't push the envelope too much i mean it was okay i didn't mind the approach we took but we didn't execute and were unable to put any points on the board um, heading into the half, if we had got a few points on the board heading into that ha- in the half right but there, I what think it, it would have would have helped significantly. Oh, absolutely, and that's what all the great teams do is they score points right before the half. Makes yeah. a huge difference. Um, what was so we got the ball back? It was that was our long drive. We were like pinned, right, and we got the ball with three minutes to go, and we were pinned all the way down on like the one yard line, right, at the end of the half. At the end of the half. And we started to move the ball. We had a couple runs to the right. Um, and we started to move the ball. And then we actually got some momentum. And then we got to about midfield. And then we ended with that. It got, the clock went all the way down. And we decided to just try to go into the end zone mm-hmm. by throwing that short pass over to Jarvis, mm-hmm. which I loved that it play. Was, I, I did like the way they drew that sucker up. It was nice. I wanted Baker to catch that pitch and run into the end zone so badly. And then grab his crutch. Right Right at Patty Mahomes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So let's talk about the, the defense, the new look defense. Obviously uh, Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things to us uh, with that 75 yard touchdown. That was an absolute backbreaker. Um, And Tyreek Hill had an absolute day with 11 receptions, almost 200 yards, the touchdown. We saw what happened there. And then Travis Kelsey had two touchdowns, and basically both of them did what they wanted with our defense, Um, the three of them together. Um, 
it was kind of amazing how it was literally a show of those three players. Like there was very limited touches for anyone else, including Clyde Edwards Lair. Yeah. Miko Hardman had three catches. But other than that, it was just the three of them. Um, what did you think about our game script defensively going into this game and how we handled those big three? As I've thought about this even more, so watching the game, it was I understood that it was pretty clear that they were trying to just limit the shots over the top and that we were playing a pretty soft zone and we were giving away those eight to 10 yard completions, you know, pretty much every time Tyreek Hill wanted to like settle in the zone there and, and catch a pass there. It became frustrating as the game went on when we needed to get stops and we were allowing them to continue move the ball down the field that way. After the fact, and I thought about it a little bit more and even heard some other people comment about this, um, it makes a lot of sense that the Ronnie Harrison ejection probably really limited our like flexibility in the number of things that we could have done defensively. I mean, I don't think that we wanted to play Mac Wilson and um, what's his face? Why am I drawing a blank on the old linebacker, Malcolm Smith? Malcolm Smith yeah. I, I don't think we wanted to play Mac Wilson and Malcolm Smith as many snaps as we did, particularly in coverage for Malcolm Smith. Um, both of them graded horribly in this game, like horribly around like the 30s for from PFF. And I think that it would have been a little different look if you'd had Ronnie Harrison in there. He would have been playing up in the box a lot more and given us a lot more flexibility and opportunity to um, go into like a dime defense and probably like put a little bit more pressure on those pass catchers. And so we were playing with our hand behind our back a little bit, not having Harrison or Delpit out there since Delpit was inactive today. So that was... I mean, I don't think they really tried that much. We didn't, we didn't, I hardly recall us blitzing at I don't, all. I don't know that we blitzed once. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't recall a situation where we did. I'm not, I won't definitively say that we didn't at all. I don't have any numbers or statistics to back that up. For, but from watching, we essentially brought our front four and that was, that was it. Um, and Miles was bringing a lot of pressure. But Mahomes was just phenomenal at navigating the pocket, like over and over and over again. I mean, when Miles would come free, he would just take the exact perfect step he needed to take to get a ball off. I mean, it was it was uncanny. And I mean, Miles would be inches away. Yep. What and was many many times. But I maybe I just haven't had the been blessed enough to watch Patrick Mahomes as as much as I now wish I had. But like it's. <laughs> He's so good at every single thing. And his elusiveness in the pocket is one thing that I've drastically underestimated. Oh, yeah. Uh, before watching that game. Yep. Like that rushing touchdown was so nice. He got all the way in the end zone. He never got touched. Yep. He doesn't move. He moves in a similar way to Kyler Murray in like how his like upper body kind of stays like still. But and his, his legs feet are just, and like hips, hips just like move yeah. and like rotate yeah. around and it's like this like dance almost. Um, it's really impressive. He's obviously not as quick as Kyler Murray, but he like moves so fluidly. Mm-hmm. But, instinctively, it's just it's almost unfair. Um, I I do think that it was obviously that clear intentional effort to give them those mid level throws and not let. Besides that one time. They had that 75-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. um, which I don't have a problem with it throughout the entire first half. I was totally okay with it because we were ahead. And this is what everybody talks about with the Chiefs, right? Is like, do the thing that all the talking heads are talking about. Like, limit the amount of drives. Um, just score whenever you have the ball and don't let them get the ball too many times. And we did it. Like, we did that thing. And then we just muffed it up at the end. But, like, we each only had nine possessions. Yep. And the final score was 29 to 33, which is both a testament to both teams' offensive efficiency. Um, And, like, we almost – like, I think that is the way you beat the Chiefs right there. We almost pulled it out. 
We just don't do the turnovers, and then yep, there it is. Um, but then at the end of the game, it was very frustrating. Yep. No doubt. There's a few defensive players like, I mean, if you kind of look, think about from the front to the back, Malik McDowell started out this game with a bang. He had a killer PFF grade. He had 82.9. I mean, I think Is there I saw somebody you're... say today that that was the third highest um, defensive lineman grade so far this week, you know, prior to the Monday night game. But in week one across the NFL, that's the third highest grade for any defensive lineman. Is there anything to be more like blindly optimistic about with the Browns than Malik McDowell? I don't think so. I mean, that's just exciting. I mean, the dude got a start. Like <laughs> He started. I mean, a month ago, no one I, – I think it was a 50-50 shot as to whether the guy makes the team. And he just started in week one and blew up the very first play against Joe Tooney. I mean, he, That was delicious. It was like, oh, he can do that against starters. Yeah, it was – pretty phenomenal and you have to imagine he's only going to get better as the season goes on so i think that's super exciting to see how we're going to be able to mix it up on the defensive line um throughout the season um assuming everyone stays healthy and then like greg newsome i don't know if i have a ton to say other than he didn't get called out and he definitely didn't screw anything up the guy played every single snap of this game he and denzel ward played every snap and he wasn't taken advantage of. That's saying an awful lot for a rookie in his playing week one every single snap yeah. against an offense like the Chiefs. Yeah, it wasn't asked to cover Tyreek Hill. Yeah. But, I mean, so cool. props to Greg Newsom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that was a great performance. Um, I don't think we saw a ton of JOK. He was out there. I don't know what his exact snap count was, but... Um, we didn't see a ton of him. No. Um, yeah, I think Malik McDowell is the thing that I'm most excited about. And what will our defensive front look like when we're playing just a normal quarterback and we're playing a more expansive package where we're actually bringing pressure and we're doing a bunch of different things as opposed to just rushing the front four and trying to play prevent defense where we're keeping everyone in front of us yeah you're speaking of normal quarterbacks where does tyrod taylor who we're playing next week fit is he a normal quarterback he's a normal quarterback in like college ball (laughs) (laughs) i feel Uh, like he's he's... absolutely a normal quarterback Uh, Uh, it's gonna be very interesting um now that will certainly be a change of pace in our home opener and I will say, too, as we're, like, evaluating defense and individual performances, um, I really just want to see our safeties out there. John Johnson, I saw, like, he had that one ridiculous play at the goal line where he, like, batted a ball away on a, like, fairly deep pass. Do you remember? Like, he made a play, like, directly on a ball where he cut Went in front across, of it. I think that was – wasn't that Denzel? There was – Denzel made one later. But there was okay. a Josh Johnson play earlier – or a John Johnson John play Johnson. earlier. Um, Denzel's – Pass breakup was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> that was one of so, the better cornerback plays I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Um, coming all the way from around the back to um, bat that ball away. Perfectly timed. But, I mean, John Johnson was the only, like, legitimate safety we had playing today. MJ Stewart had to come in and play almost all of those safety snaps today once Ronnie Harrison was gone. And I think in the coming weeks, we're going to have both Harrison and Delpit available. And that's going to like open up so many possibilities for Joe Woods. And so I'm very excited to see, to see that. Yeah. I'm, I just think this will be interesting to talk about. What was the deal with that Harrison ejection, <laughs> that Ronnie Harrison ejection? Like, I, like we talked about it. That was a big deal in our game plan probably, but like what the hell happened there? <laughs> like seriously, it wasn't, it was so weird. I, the thing that's weird to me is that the initial call was made, and then they came back and then ejected Harrison after some further discussion. That was the weird part to me. We, I mean, like, I, when I first watched it, Blessy, when I first watched it, I was like, that's too bad. Ronnie Harrison's going to get ejected. Yeah. Because I saw him, like, punch that coach in the throat with an open hand punch. <laughs> right in the throat. Yeah. Um, it was a push. 
<laughs> and that's what happens when you do that. Yeah. But the ref was right there. He saw it. You know, like what? I, I just wonder why. I mean, to me, the situation was pretty clear, like, of what happened. He was trying to get out of the way. There was players on the ground. Clyde, I think it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was on the ground. And Ronnie Harrison's feet were tangled up there. And he took a step, and it did look like he was about to step on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But he was also engaged up front with, like, an offensive lineman. He was off balance, and he was like, leaning against yeah, he this was other guy. Balance. He was on one foot. Yeah, and he was kind of, like, trying to, you know, figure out where his feet needed to go. And that coach thought he was about to step on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and so shoved him. Yeah. But, like, he hadn't put any sort of pressure down. Like, he wasn't, like, stomping on a Chiefs player. And so, rightfully, like anyone instinctively would do, he reacted and pushed back. Um, I think Miles Garrett was spot on. And I think J.C. Treader made comments today after the fact, too. But saying, why in the world was the coach not held to at least the same standard as the player was in this instance. He's the one that initiated the contact. Like, but And then the player gets ejected for retaliating? Yeah. It was the same thing. I mean, the coach pushed Ronnie Harrison just like Ronnie Harrison pushed the coach. Um, it does seem to stand to reason that the coach should have been kicked out as well. Um, at the very least, if you're gonna kick out Ronnie Harrison for that, so which obviously isn't that big of a deal to the Chiefs, if yeah. the coach gets kicked out. But yeah, I want to know. Still, just talking about the coach. We still don't I want to know, know this, guy this man's name, and yeah. I want to drag his name through the mud. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was that was a huge bummer, huge detriment. Feel bad for Ronnie Harrison, honestly. You can't do that no matter what. You like can't. it's really hard to like keep your emotions in check when you're playing a game like football and somebody like shoves you. Um it's so easy to sit on the couch. Yeah. And the announcers do it all the time, be like, you just can't do that. Could yeah. you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're playing this ridiculously aggressive game yeah, on these like hit- short intervals, and then all of a sudden it's over. It was over a second ago, but now yeah. you have to show extreme caution. Yeah, it's just it's brutal. no no physical manifestations of aggression anymore <laughs> after the whistle is blown. Yeah, you turn it all the way off, all the way off. <laughs> You're a sheep. You're a lamb now, um, a harmless lamb. And I don't think we've put enough focus. The thing about this game that we mentioned, but like the freaking dumb mistakes. Like, what do you? What would you? Here's my question for you. What do you want to be seen? What do you want? to see the Browns do regarding Jamie Gillen right now. I mean, there, there's a very real narrative that you could paint that the Browns win that game if Jamie Gillen just gets a punt off there. I mean, we, ha- we basically handed the Chiefs a touchdown because he jacked up that play so badly. What do you do? I, you, know, <laughs> you know my narrative on kickers. And I think punters maybe fall into the same category. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I think you can find another punter um, that is just as good, if not better, than Jamie Gillen. Um, I don't know why it's not even a question that Jamie Gillen's our punter, to be perfectly honest. Um, and now I think it's even more of a question. I am fine with us not cutting Jamie Gillen as the sacrificial lamb, and I don't think that I would because I don't think that sends a good message to the overall team and organization for how you treat people within your organization to get, honestly, not out of some like moral high ground, just to get the most out of the people within your organization. That's just not how I think you should handle it. But would I be like super upset if we cut Jamie Gillen? No, I don't. I don't give. I don't give. I don't. Just think if you just look at it objectively, like there's not a whole lot of like upside or something extra he's bringing to the table. Yeah, that like makes you think. Oh, I really we got to hold on to this guy. I know, like he made a mistake. Like, to your point, we could bring in another punter, and I think we're probably gonna. It's gonna be a net positive. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious as to what the deal is with Jamie Gillen. Like, I've never heard, like, what... He's not expensive. That's one nice thing. But other than that, 
like, I don't really know what he's bringing to the table. He was not great last year at all. So, anyways, uh, what is like? I, I, I'm sure analytics has something to say about what the like value of a punter is, and I'm sure that that's what's driving this decision. Um, but like, what is what is the real like point differential difference if you run the numbers between the best punter in the league and the worst? Good question. I mean, like, it can't be that high. It Good question. Be, I mean, but, it can't be that big of a difference. Like, this, we're in an emotional situation right now because yeah. that was the worst. But, like, I have to say, as far as athleticism is concerned, Jamie Gillen is pretty high Yeah, but pretty that high doesn't come there. into play, like, hardly ever from a, for a punter. I mean, and... Yeah, as, but that's like, why I'm saying, like, this seems like an anomaly, right? Like... Right, like, I don't, I don't anticipate that Jamie Gillen's going to do this again. Unless he gets it's in his the, own head because he's a the specialist. exact play is not coming to me, but he has messed up a play before that was very costly. And I don't, I'll have to do the research and come back. Well, I don't know why he didn't punt the ball. Or throw it away, even. Like, he took a bunch of negative yards. I wouldn't have thrown it away. I would have wanted to try to get a kickoff. But, like, get a 20-yard kickoff. Yeah. he he's, he's literally, he played rugby. Yeah. He's rolling to the right. Punt it. He is left-footed, isn't he? Possibly. That's a good question. I'm not sure if he is or not. Um. Anyway, I, I wish he tried to punt the ball. And, like, if it got blocked, it got blocked. But that was that was shameful. What, what do you want to do with Jamie Gillen? Do you want Jamie Gillen's blood? Is that what you're calling for? It's fine if you do. I have no problem with it. I don't give a, I don't give a crap. I think <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> That's fair. I That's fair I you can. I think I kind of do. Like, no offense, but, like, when you're a punter, you don't have that many jobs. Yeah. So, like, you know your quarterback? Like, you expect your quarterback to, like, have mental reps about, like, any situation. And he didn't react in the way you want him to react. Okay, Yes, he dropped the ball. Like, okay, that's problem number one. But even after that, he didn't do what you want him to do in trying to clean up the mess. And to me, it's a lack of, like, preparation. Like, I I just don't know that I want him to be there for the chance that that happens again. Like, anybody could make a mistake. I don't know. I just, I don't want to lose games because of something stupid like that like that that cannot happen again no it definitely cannot happen if anything even close to that happens again i promise jamie gillen is going to be gone and you don't have to worry about it yeah so anyways that that is a guarantee i I have a hard but don't you think it would have already happened if it was going to happen um potentially we don't have another punter no but there's a lot out there yeah for sure ton of rugby players would love the opportunity that Jamie Gillen's got. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fair question. Um, You want to do the same thing to Nick Chubb? (laughs) (laughs) For the fumble? Good question. Man, how bad did you feel just looking at Nick Chubb sitting on the sideline? You could tell how much he was beating himself up. It was so sad. It's like when I watch my kid and they're just like... After you like yell at him? Yes. And they're just, like, disappointed. And, like, you don't even need to say anything. Or, like, they know they did something wrong, and they're just beating themselves up so much that you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, I want to lessen your punishment by, like, giving you ice cream or something. Like, yeah. 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 How can we sweeten the deal here? <laughs> um, I know exactly what you're referring to, and I felt the exact same way. I want to give him a big old hug. I think the and comment I, I, I made wanted... was, I just want to win this game for Nick Chubb's sake at this point. You did. Like, you <laughs> So it doesn't feel so damn bad. <laughs> oh, man. Poor Nick Chubb. Um, played a great game other than that. And then I do love when you see a player like Chubb make a mistake like that, fumbling the ball, and then you can see the attention to ball security from that point on. Like, he clearly was paying extra attention to, like, how he was holding the ball and double covering it in traffic and all sorts of stuff. Um I'm not worried about Nick Chubb long-term uh, being on the roster or fumbling the ball. <laughs> yeah. 
No, me neither. Um, and then there was the third turnover, which was Baker's on the, the two-minute drive at the end of the game, which was... Unfortunate, but I'm not upset about it. Nor am I. Uh, I mean, Tony Romo said on the broadcast that it was clear to him that Baker was trying to throw it away. Baker said it in the post-game press conference that he was trying to throw it away. I got no- tripped up, had no idea that there was a guy who's getting tripped up and the balls didn't come out the way... He had meant it to, and that's a, just an unfortunate way to end the game. Yeah, I have no reason to believe anything differently, but it was Sorensen that tripped him. I hate that guy. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I hate that guy so much. <laughs> yeah, he can go away. That's for sure. Um, oh, man. What, what, what was there? The, so those were like the three costly mistakes you don't do – any, if dad was here, you he'd bring up one other one. Do you know what it would be? You don't do any. Remember what he said near the end of the game? No. We were talking about like the, the turnovers and the mistakes made in the second half. And he goes, and McLaughlin almost missing that extra point. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, but he made it. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, it will be interesting to watch McLaughlin going forward, though. I do think it's worth uh, I mean, worth it's, commenting. That was an icy situation. He um, did glance that extra point off the inside of the upright, um, not exactly instilling a ton of confidence in us Browns fans. It's like when Tony Grossi brought up that question about the kickers when there was a kicker controversy. They were battling, and he was like, how much, how much does that count? He asked uh, Stefanski, yeah. how much does that count for in your evaluation whenever a, a kicker almost misses a field goal? And Stefanski was just brutal. He's like, counts for three points, Tony. <laughs> it, went, it went in. That's how much it counts for, three points. But to be fair to Tony and to Dad, that is a valid point. Yeah. Uh, you can't almost you, – you wanted to go right down the middle. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah, that would have been bad. Um, no, but like those were the – I think two – one of those doesn't happen, and I think we win. We win that game. Do you agree? Um, I tend to agree. Yep. I mean, when the when Chubb fumbled, we were up nine points, and we were Driving. crossing the, you know, crossing midfield. Mm-hmm. I think the chances of us putting some points on the board on that drive are quite high. Yeah. So the Baker one may be the least out of all of them. Yeah. But. Because we still had a lot, a lot of work to do there. Yeah, got like fifty more yards. Um, all right. So one of the other main storylines of this game um, was the fact that early on Jedrick Wills went out with an injury, um, didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, Stefanski said today that he is day to day at this point, and that the X-rays came back negative. Um, so he's got an ankle injury, and it doesn't look like it's going to be anything too crazy substantial but um i'm interested great to see. news great news we don't need him this week let him rest up and roll chris hubbard out there against the texans and let's get him ready for a week three against the bears um and there's not going to be um any additional suspensions of um the incident um between ronnie harrison and uh, greg lewis <laughs> greg lewis that is the coach's name. There we go. Um, he has been identified. Oh, mustache Greg. That he shows up in some memes. Um, anyway, uh, moving forward. So moving forward, looking ahead to the Houston game. I'm not too worried about this game <laughs> against the Texans. One, we're playing at home. Two, it's the Texans. That's about all Texans. I've got to say. I, I, I do know that they came in and they showed up and they played well against the Jaguars. They, there was a lot of turnovers um, that they forced uh, amongst the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that was a rookie quarterback playing in his first ever um, regular season NFL game. And so I am just not that worried about it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think we're going from playing the best team in the NFL to the worst team in the NFL in the second week and we get to play them at home. So I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say other than I'm excited to see our defense. I I think we'll be forcing some turnovers in this particular game. 
and um, not playing against Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek Hill will be great. That does sound nice. I mean, I mean, that's what, like, what, that's are, what, what are the offensive threats of the Houston Texans that you're concerned about, Mark? Uh, you know, you got that QB or running back by committee. Uh, you got Philip Lindsay, the five-headed um, running back monster. <laughs> A fantasy nightmare. Um, uh, and then, uh, I mean, Brandon Cooks, um, Tyrod Taylor, and thus concludes the list. Now, I, I'm excited. I really want to watch our defensive line in this game. I want to see him produce. Um, I want to see our secondary. I want to see our defense this week, and I want to see what our defense can be as the season moves forward. And this is going to be a time for us to get excited. Week one was a time for us to get excited about our offense. Week two is going to be a time for us to get excited about our defense, I hope. Um, Let's play a game. Yeah. Without looking at a Houston Texans roster. Sure. Let's bounce back and forth and naming former Cleveland Browns that are on the Houston Texans and see who can go the longest. Tyrod Taylor. Um, Christian Kirksey. Wow. Um, On the Texans right now. I mean, you're going to go longer than me for sure because this is clearly something you've already thought about. Um, there's probably people that I'm obviously missing. Yeah, there's over 10 Cleveland Browns Are on, there the, really? on the Texans roster. That's why this is a fun exercise. The, are, but it's, like it's, fair for you to, it's fair for you to not know any of them because they're not exactly notable players. Who's the other main... Like I'm, I, I know mostly the offense. I, I like if you ask me to name the Houston Texans starting defensive players, I, I'm just at a loss. Like I, all right. So I've clearly, something I've I, clearly won this exercise. That's not something I focus on. Good uh, job, Michael. <laughs> Your little game that you brought up. I'm so proud of you. So are the listeners. Um, I thought you'd be more well versed since I texted you this the other day. Oh, with did the you? roster. Me and Matthew went back and forth, and you just ignored our texts, just like you always do. So there we go. That's that kind of your do. own fault. <laughs> Vincent Taylor. Oh. Who was actually okay as a rotational te- you know defensive tackle yeah. last year. Um let's just keep going. Eric Murray is a starting safety for the Texans. Terrence Mitchell at corner for the Texans. We have Justin McCray, offensive guard. Do you remember Justin McCray, Mark? I do remember Justin McCray. Um I need kind of needed a memory jog for Matthew on the Justin McCray. Um, continuing down the list, there's one or two more. Just scrolling down this Texans roster. Do, 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 do. Pharaoh Brown ah. at tight end. Ah. Do we have any more? There's got to be one or two more. It's just hilarious. <laughs> so those are, I mean, these the are all like from our terrible years. Yeah. Tay Davis is the last one. Mm. Um, I mean, it's like bottom of the roster Browns players from like the years when we lost a crap ton of games. Yeah, that's brutal. But nevertheless, they did do something we haven't done in 17 years, and they won <laughs> their opening game in week one. So we can't dog them too bad because that was impressive. Um, what do you think the uh, – what's the spread for this game? Do you know what it is off the top of your head? I don't know off the top of my head, but I actually started to look it up earlier. Um, I can um, get it for you in a second let, if you want to wait for the answer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I will make a prediction on what I think the spread is. Yep. And I think we're probably favored by... Twelve and a half. That's a great guess. Um, that's a great guess. Good job. Um, it's 12 and a half in some books right now, <laughs> and it's 13 is where it opened. Um, so it looks like 13 is the, is the line. Hmm. Looks like I won this exercise, Michael. <laughs> yeah, no, it did. that was very good, actually. It's very impressive. Um, man, I, it'll be nice to not like have to sweat out a game. Most likely. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, what I'm um, completely new lows. If we lose to Houston this Sunday, oh yeah. Uh, as far as where I will be, like if we lose to Houston on Sunday, 
I am quite confident that I will be lower than at any point in our 0-16 season. Oh, yeah. By a lot. It's the hope that kills you. Always <laughs> no has doubt. been. No doubt. Always has been. All right. All right. Well, so if over, the line over, is 13. Under, over under on the 13 line for you. 13 is a lot of points. <laughs> for mean, an NFL, for an NFL any game. Other game yeah. For an NFL game. Are we going to beat them by two whole touchdowns? I mean, I'm just thinking back to all those games last year where we were destroying people, and then like the final they crept outcome was like a five point, you know, margin. Yeah, like that just forty niners so easily. Forty niners Lions game. The it Lions. Do you know the line? The line was eight and a half, and the Lions covered the spread at the end of that game. It's so funny. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Browns. Yeah, I'm picking the Browns too. Definitively, it's. I don't really have to think about it that much. Um, I do think we're gonna beat them by more than two touchdowns yeah so and i feel pretty comfortable about that yeah we'll, we'll go with the browns you you lost your pick from week one you picked the chiefs ah uh, did you guys both pick the browns mm-hmm. matthew thought the browns were gonna win i definitively said i thought the browns probably wouldn't win but i was pretty sure they would cover yeah. and we covered yeah. we covered hey oh well good Wouldn't teams win games Great teams cover the spread. Oh, man. That's us. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, I know you are just as heartbroken as we are, but take hope. Take heart. We play the Texans this Sunday, and it's great news. So enjoy that, and go Browns. Go Browns. Thank you.